everyone, and welcome to Brunch and Learn. I'm your host, Nicole Dillon, and this is a podcast for women who love to brunch, like myself. Here, we talk about two of my favorite topics, brunch, obviously, and the idea that we can learn something new every day. Each episode will interview a new female powerhouse, gab as though we're girlfriends at brunch, and learn something for our brains. So let's get started. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Brunch and Learn podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Dillon, and today we are talking about a lot about philanthropy today. And today's guest I want to introduce is Sophia Fifner. She helps women and organizations amplify their purpose through philanthropy. With over 15 years of experience in corporate affairs, she's a writer, speaker, and advocate for women and girls as well as a Me Too survivor and feminist beauty queen. Today, much of Sophia's work centers around Brave Philanthropist, a movement of women who aim to change the face of philanthropy by highlighting stories of female philanthropists and providing tools to make charitable giving more accessible. So I first want to welcome you, Sophia, to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, Nicole, and um, talk about the two two of my most favorite things, women and girls and philanthropy. Well, I wanted to kick things right off for the listeners. Can you tell us all a little bit more about you, Brave Philanthropist, how it all started? Tell us your story. Yeah. So I would like to say that my whole life has been centered around service and philanthropy from a very young age, whether it be volunteering with Girl Scouts or participating in fundraisers at school or working on community service projects in high school, philanthropy has been part of my core for a very long time. And actually, I would say that I refined my philanthropist skills when in competing with in the Miss America Scholarship Program. As a contestant at the time, you had to have a platform, it's now called a Social Impact Initiative. And I had the opportunity to do really meaningful work in the space of advocacy and fundraising for several nonprofit organizations whether that be Children's Miracle Network or the America's Promise Alliance or financial literacy organizations. Um, Long story short, my whole personal life and everything I've done has been wrapped in philanthropy. And then from a service standpoint, my first job was working on Capitol Hill and I had an opportunity as staff assistant, which is really code code name for all other duties as assigned. You get to do cool things like sit in on legislative briefings and hearings about really critical legislation, but my favorite part of my job was honestly answering the phone and talking to individuals who are very passionate about a variety of causes. And then when they would come into the office in D.C., and I ran into my neighbor one time, you'd run into pastors or rabbis or, you know, union workers, literally people from all different stripes were advocating about issues that were really critical to them. So my career took flight there and it hasn't stopped with my interest in philanthropy and service. But brave philanthropist, like what is it? And like, how did I start brave philanthropist? Well, I don't know if, if you remember Nicole or even the folks who are listening, 2016 was a really stressful year. It was real. There was a lot of stuff happening. There was a national election that was very contentious. And there were a lot of conversations being brought to the surface around women 
and sexual assault survivors and um, you know the status of, of immigration. I'm a first generation American. A lot of really heavy conversations. And on top of that, I was also pregnant with my first child. And the few days after she was born in November, I made a promise to her that I, you know, I had all this experience in philanthropy and nonprofits. I wasn't really using it, that I was going to make good on that promise of doing something that matters and doing more good in the world. Because I want to do everything I can to make sure that my now two daughters have everything you know, a world where, where they're accepted and it's welcoming and it's safe and embraces all the things that make Caroline and Hannah fantastic. So in going through that journey, uh, I realized that as a philanthropist, as somebody who's been involved in this space for a very long time, you know how you have sometimes those statistics that don't really hit you until it's like 4 a.m. and you're just randomly up at night because you have a newborn and you don't know what else to think about? Well, that was, I had one of those moments, <laughs> and the statistic that stuck out to me was less than 2% of all charitable giving supports women and girls organizations, and what's worse, the Miss Foundation did a report recently where they looked at how much of our charitable donations are supporting women of color, and it's 0.5%, and that's everything. That's everything from Girl Scouts to Planned Parenthood to great crisis centers to women's funds across the country that's literally everything that's supporting women and girls we are getting the pocket change and as a woman of color i'm getting the pocket change of pocket change i launched brave philanthropists because i want more women to see themselves as philanthropists but i also want women to be exposed to all the different ways that they can engage and that's how brave philanthropists started it's a movement of women who are using their hearts and minds to do good that matters thank you i'm yeah, I mean, well, you know, I think it's so important to do something that fills your cup. And thankfully, I do get to do that as part of my day job. But in the evening, when I throw on my pink cake and like math, I get to talk about women and all of the wonderful women that I get to meet and interact with who are doing really cool things in the community. And, you know, research shows that if women see themselves as philanthropists, if they're exposed to more diverse ways of giving, that that's how we increase that statistic of less than 2% of philanthropic donations supporting women and girls. So if I get to help people see themselves as, you know, really impactful in their community, then that, that like makes my day just to be able to highlight that in their story. That makes me think of so many things that I know we're going to get into, but I guess like first I'd love to hear if you could highlight any of those stories that you mentioned of female philanthropists and if you could share a story or two. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a couple of stories, so many stories, because there's so many philanthropists who don't know that they're philanthropists, but they're philanthropists doing amazing things. Uh, so one story that I'd like to highlight is my friend, Jerry. So she, uh, she was Mrs. Ohio, um, but before she became Mrs., uh, right after she, in pageant world, we call it you, you know, after your reign as Mrs. Ohio, um, she had a stroke. And Jerry's mm -hmm. only 30, and she lost her ability to read, to write, to talk, to walk. And for those who aren't familiar with pageantry, I think you can go, oh, there's this onstage thing. They wear crowns and sparkly gowns, but it's so much more than that. Um, the expectations for you to be able to communicate your thoughts and feelings on a specific issue related to a cause is really important. 
and as a title holder to lose literally all of your tools for communication, your ability to just even be able to walk into a room, um, it's not only on a surface level, yeah, it's important for pageants, but it's, that's life-changing as a human. And she took that experience after multiple surgeries, relearned how to walk, relearned how to talk, relearned how to do all the things that we take for granted every single day, and has dedicated her life to making sure that she does everything in her power to advocate for stroke survivors like herself. So much so that she decided to approach the Ohio State House, pass legislation to support stroke survivors to help more people like her. She's now working in Pennsylvania and in Virginia to also help, help stroke survivors there. And she's now working on a national tour with Big Brothers Big Sisters and various uh, elementary schools to help kids understand the signs of strokes. Because oftentimes, you know, if you have older parents or older grandparents, kids might be in the room and they might need to know what to do. So she's working with them to help them um, learn signs of strokes so they can save more lives. And I think that that's just a tremendous testimony to just what personal experiences you can have and how you can transform that into good. And I'm really proud of her advocacy because oftentimes there are issues where um, you, you financial dollar, dollars alone aren't going to solve the issues that, that some people are dealing with. And I'm so proud of the work that she's doing as an advocate and as a brave philanthropist um, to really change, change her community and, you know, at the end of the day, save lives. And then uh, you asked for one more story. So I'd actually like to share um, my own story. So when I was 17, um, the unthinkable happened to me. And to, to give you a little context, I grew up in a relatively rural suburban community. We had split level homes in our, our my neighborhood. I would go to the pool during the summertime and play flashlight tag. Um, I, we played Monopoly a lot. I played Barbies. I played in the woods. You know, I, it's a pretty typical life. I uh, had very religious parents, so we went to church quite a bit. Um, and you know, we really talk about sex or sexuality or anything like that in my household. So when I was 17 and went to a house party and was raped, I didn't even have words to describe what had happened to me. And quite frankly, it wasn't until I called a friend and she told me that I was raped and that I needed to go to the hospital that any actions were taken. So I went to the hospital and they completed the rape kit. And, um, you know, I wanted to, you know, move through the process. And this podcast is a, a deep dive into my experience as a survivor of sexual assault. But what I will share is that that was the most traumatic experience I've ever had in my life. And has completely transformed how I show up in the world. And even at the age of 17, I knew, regardless of if my rapist would be prosecuted or not, that I was going to use that moment in my life as a moment to do good and that I wasn't going to let that experience um, trample on my, my dreams or just essentially just doing good in the world, right? And um, it honestly, it was through philanthropy and through volunteerism and just learning how to advocate for others, I learned how to advocate for myself. And that's one of the things that I think brave philanthropists is that I'm most excited about for brave philanthropists because oftentimes 
the reason why people are giving to various organizations, whether it be through advocacy, through fundraising, or through influencing, um, oftentimes it's connected to some level of trauma. And as a rape survivor, you know, I, I mentioned earlier how I had my daughter um, and I decided that I was going to do a better job of leveraging my voice for good. I knew how to write legislation. I knew how to advocate for others. I spent over a decade doing that, both professionally and personally at the time, but I wasn't doing it for myself. So as a rape survivor, right after the Me Too move, movement, I, I decided to do a better job of showing up for organizations that were supporting women like me. So from that experience, I decided to work with organizations like the Ohio Alliance to End Sexual Violence here in Columbus, um, with or national organizations like RAIN or even um, organizations that support crime victims like the Ohio Crime Victims Justice Center to do everything I can to support victims of violent crime. Because one thing that I'm really good at is being able to talk and talk to elected officials and pass legislation. And oftentimes, again, I want to take it back to brave philanthropy. When people think about philanthropy. I think the assumption is that you have to write a large check to be a philanthropist. The definition of philanthropy is just people doing good, period. It's just people doing good. And a lot of good happens when people raise money, absolutely, but that $5 means just as much as $5 million. And for issues that impact survivors of sexual assault or even stroke survivors like my friend Jerry, um, sometimes those issues need advocates and people who are walking their city hall their you know, state capital and our national capital to really make a difference for individuals that are impacted by that issue. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your story and Jerry's story. That was, I mean, incredible and the incredible work you're doing. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm so impressed. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I, I'm thinking of so many things of, wanted to ask exactly that question of like, how does one even get started? Because that's, of course, I think most people think that way of like, oh, I have to contribute monetarily. And especially right now with the economy and inflation, like it could be really hard on people's dollars. Yeah. Um, you know, is it, is it volunteering? Is it buying Girl Scout cookies? Is it monetary like every month? Like what does that range look like? How can people get started? I love that definition of it's just doing good, which now, I mean, that makes me feel so much better <laughs> because like it is tough, especially right now in the way the current economy is. Um, and like, what can we be doing? Like tell us like tools. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. does that, what does that range look like to do good? Yeah. Well, let's just take one step back. And for anyone who is listening right now, know that you are an exceptional human being and give yourself some grace because philanthropy doesn't mean that you, again, need to be writing a million dollar check to be making a difference. Or if you're not volunteering at least five hours a week, every single week that you're not doing good. Goodness can happen in multiple ways. And I like to say, and this is very common for a lot of philanthropists, that we want individuals to leverage their time, talent, and treasure in whatever way they can, because at the end of the day, philanthropy isn't one size fits all. 
It's not one size fits all. You have to find, just like when you're shopping for jeans at Kohl's, you have to figure out which pair of jeans fits you for where you are in your life stage. So a couple of ways that people can get involved in philanthropy. I'm going to give you the the, the jeans before you had kids, <laughs> while you do have kids and the jeans for after. So let's say that like, you're like, you're feeling like pretty good. You're in the small size jeans. You just want to dabble in some nice jeans. What you can do is a simple step. One, when you're at the cash register, this happens in, I would say every single community, because I used to run these campaigns, they're called roundup campaigns. So you're in the line for fast food and Panera asked you, hey, would you like to round up and support you know, your local children's hospital? Say yes. When you are at the grocery store and they ask you to round up and support or give $5 at CVS to support the American Diabetes Association or the American Heart Association, say yes. You can sign up for nonprofit organizations' newsletters. And when you see a really interesting newsletter come into your newsfeed, share that with a friend and share it on social media. Because it's better that you are giving your change and sharing that message with another individual that could potentially be another donor. That's incredibly important. And I think it's easy to go, oh, my change doesn't do anything. Like, how is that really going to put a dent in that nonprofit organization's you know, ability to fulfill their mission? Well, as the director for corporate philanthropy at a you know, nationwide children's hospital, which is the local children's hospital here in Columbus, I was responsible for a lot of those rabbit campaigns. And let me tell you, here in Columbus, with the support of some of the most ambitious and wonderful students at Ohio State University, they were able to raise over a million dollars to beat pediatric cancer, not because they had large corporations writing big checks or major donors, by asking their friends for doing you know, change drives at OSU games, literally by like selecting pocket change, they were able to raise two, you know, over a million dollars. And I think that that's really substantial. So those small acts matter, and I highly encourage folks to subscribe to newsletters, attend an event if you can, and then on top of that, um, to you know, to, to say yes whenever you have an opportunity to round up. Or, as you mentioned earlier, yes, buying Girl Scout cookies is amazing. <laughs> so, yes, you can buy your cookies. And when you eat way too many cookies and you now have to go back into your maternity jeans, that's totally fine and acceptable. And when you do that, you are a philanthropist. So, who knew? You could eat Girl Scout cookies <laughs> and fit into your maternity jeans with confidence and say, yes, I am a philanthropist today. <laughs> I was also thinking of like of course the ones that happen like all year round like the super bowl and donating soup cans or like thanksgiving and donating um or even like to our troops and like household goods like then a lot of things of course now come to mind that little things throughout the year could also help yes it, it all makes the difference it all adds up it, it absolutely does those you know, if you're, if you're supporting a local food pantry to support food insecurity, don't think that those five cans of uh, soup or uh, what the you know, pallet of water doesn't make a difference because when you have a hundred people all giving pallets of water, it really makes a large impact. And for those who are like, oh my gosh, that's super simple. I'm so beyond that. That's awesome. I now don't want you to become a reoccurring monthly donor to the, your nonprofit of choice. And again, I don't think that, I think that philanthropy seems like it's one of those things where if I'm not giving 
Well, if they're asking me to donate monthly, then that means I have to give $100. Start with $5 or start with $20 if that's all you have. But think about how many times you may have gone to Target and picked up a couple of extra items in that dollar bin. Those dollars could go to a nonprofit organization and really move the needle on issues that are incredibly impactful, whether it be supporting survivors of sexual assault, supporting our troops, supporting Girl Scouts, you name it. If we all give just a little bit more, we'll see a substantial difference in the long run. So those are, are a few ways that folks can embrace philanthropy in their everyday, in their everyday world. Where does like volunteerism fit in? Yeah. So, well, one, so let's start here. Not all nonprofit organizations have good volunteer opportunities. So it really depends on the, your charity or passion of choice. Um, because, for example, supporting rape crisis centers, you, we want trained victims advocates to help survivors of sexual assault. Um, and from a volunteer standpoint, we, there aren't a lot of volunteer opportunities. So for me, my volunteerism is through advocacy and working with them to write letters of the editors, speak with elected officials about legislation, because legislation is what moves the needle for survivors of sexual assault because our trauma is so connected to the uh, judicial and legislative system. But for, not, for individuals who are passionate about trees or about books or about, there's so many things that you can be passionate about. People absolutely should volunteer their time. Um, and volunteering can look uh, differently for every organization. Sometimes it's reading to kids as part of an after-school program. Mentorship programs are wonderful. A lot of organizations not only have virtual mentorship opportunities, but in-person volunteer opportunities as well. Our local, uh, you know, uh, food bank, they have a great opportunity where you can volunteer to sort food in the Ronald McDonald House here in Columbus, which is one of the largest Ronald McDonald's houses in the country, you can volunteer time to make meals. And that's a great way to engage a nonprofit organization with your time, especially if you don't have a lot of money to give. If that $5 is going to put you over the edge, volunteer your time and know that whatever time you can give, whatever time, if it's just once a year to every single week, that that experience matters and certainly makes a difference because so many nonprofit organizations rely on it. Awesome. Yeah, that, that also reminded me because my father-in-law does that too of like he on the side, he just donates his skills of like grant writing um, mm -hmm. to get more money um, from FEMA. Same with, um, yeah. I, yeah, I think my dad is starting to do that. Like he's kind of like retired now and um, tax, like um, donating, taking classes to do taxes for like people that are scared to do taxes, maybe a little bit more underprivileged and, you mm -hmm. know, don't know how to do taxes. Yes. Um, so also like that just sparked my memory of just like your own skill sets. And yes. like you said, you're great at speaking and legislation. Um, I just wanted to make that comment because it totally sparked that <laughs> reminder. <laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, referencing back to my statement about time, talent and treasure, that talent that you have, everyone has a God-given talent or whatever higher power that you believe in. We all have talents and skills and abilities and know that there are organizations that are looking for people like you. So if you are a CPA or you're a paralegal or a lawyer and you understand how to get things done from a, from a legal standpoint, 
or if you're a police officer and you know how to make sure that people stay safe when they're crossing the street, there are nonprofits that help kids with making sure that they have safe pathways to school. Um, I, there's just a lot of ways to leverage your skills. If you're an organization junkie and you want to take your rainbow organizing skills off of the TV and onto, you know, into the real world, there are organizations that need your help in sorting, sorting products for, um, you know, women, men, and children in need. Yeah. And I also loved how you touched on mentorship because I didn't even think of that as well. Um, yeah. 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 And, you know, you, I, I mean, I think about all of the interactions I've had both on both sides of the aisle as somebody who's received services from nonprofit organizations as well as somebody who has volunteered. Um, those interactions are certainly some of the most cherished opportunities I've had where I've been able to grow as a person and quite frankly better understand my community and um, just some of the needs that people are experiencing. You know, I volunteered with a organization that helps provide summer meals to kids here in Columbus. Um, actually the city of Columbus is one of the largest summer food providers in the state of Ohio and unfortunately um, the statistics have fluctuated over the year, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're even greater now, but anywhere between one in five and one in four kids here in Ohio are food insecure. Like so much so that when I was volunteering and making sure that these kids had something to eat during the middle of summer for lunch and for snacks, you know, I saw kids, you know, taking mashed potatoes and shoving them in their pockets to take home. Mm -hmm. And these organizations that are doing such critical, you know, you know, just critical work to keep people alive and keep people fed. It's not like they have a, a red carpet of funds to do their work. Oftentimes, they are strapping by to make sure that they can get their mission done and make sure that kids have something to eat. So relying on volunteers is just so critical and so important because it keeps their overhead costs as low as possible when they have individuals who are willing to dedicate their time to you know, execute their programs and their mission. Awesome. I also wanted to ask you in terms of tools and totally correct me if I'm wrong, because I thought I saw it on your Instagram, but I thought I saw you share, maybe it was like a link of like where to go to kind of search all of these like your interest compared to what organizations are out there. Cause like, I'm thinking of like you know, I love like girls on the run, but I haven't ran in so long, like my knees, but like maybe I'm more into like, you know, animals or, you know, things like that. Like just yeah. not because like I have to do this when I really don't like this particular or not as interested in like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, totally get it. So well, one, I mean, I hope that every, every woman is enthusiastic about supporting women and girls organizations because yeah. again, less than 2% of philanthropic dollars support them. And um, I feel like we should just all be feminists and everybody should just give to at least one women and girls organization in their community to make a difference. I will stop off that soapbox and realize that not everybody is as gung-ho passionate about Girl Scouts and gender equity as I am. And that's cool. That's cool. At the end of the day, I just want people to do good. Um, you can certainly leverage a lot of resources. Uh, one, on my website at bravephilanthropist.com, I made a list where you can volunteer, give, and advocate. And I have links to every single organization that can help you if you want to volunteer. You can connect with Volunteer Match, and it will give you millions of opportunities to volunteer across the country. If you want to give to a nonprofit organization and you're not exactly sure which one, 
Charity Navigator is a really great resource for folks who want to understand what organizations are implementing best practices and then what organizations can I, you know, um, can I support that are, are safe to give. And if you want to advocate and uh, you want to you know, make a bolder impact with legislation, um, then there are organizations that can help you. And one of the organizations is She Should Run. So one, I, I, I'm going to ask you and all of your listeners to consider running for office. We need more women in office. But if running for office is not your step right now, cool, it's fine, then help somebody who's running for office or become, become a really loud advocate for the issue that you're most passionate about. Awesome. That came out totally wrong. I love girls organization. <laughs> but I, I guess my hesitance is like, because I thought you shared like a tool of like all the information and that is really helpful um, that you shared it again. But like, I'm just like so overwhelmed by Google and social media. There's got to be like thousands of girls organizations that I don't even know about. Yes, yes, yes. There's, there's a lot. Yes. So I do have a link to actually, so Indiana University put together a database of every single women and girls organizations that's part of their research. And you can certainly short, start there, but I would actually take one step back if you're figuring out, okay, because here in even Central Ohio, there's a, I should probably make a list, but I know off the top of my head, there's probably 15 different women and girls organizations that I'm personally very passionate about. And for somebody who's super excited about all things girl power, um, it's hard to figure out how do I, like, which one do I give to first? And or how do I volunteer for them? And which ones am I going to, you know, do some advocacy work versus not? I think the first thing that you have to ask yourself is, three questions. One is, you know, is there something that happened in your past that brought you joy or brought you pain? And is the organizations, let's say you're looking at those 12 organizations, is there something that one of those organizations do that, that enhances that joy or solves that pain? For me, as a great philanthropist, the organization that really moves the needle for me is the Ohio Crime Victims Justice Center. You know, as I shared earlier, as a survivor of rape, the Ohio Crime Victims Justice Center provides free legal advice for women who have experienced violent crimes. And so that's one of the reasons why I support them over other organizations. Another question that a individual can ask is right now, today, if I could do something different, if I could see the world in a very different place, what issue would I focus on? And I'm filtering it through two different lenses because I already know that girls and women's organizations matter a lot to me. For me, that's Freedom a la Carte here in Central Ohio. And Freedom a la Carte's mission is to support, support survivors of human trafficking and essentially eradicate human trafficking altogether. And then the third question is unicorn dreams. Like if I could envision anything in the world and the world is an amazing, wonderful place. For some people, they might go, oh my gosh, I envision a world where everyone is using clean energy or where, you know, uh, racial profiling is no longer an issue. For me, I'm really passionate about gender equity, and I want to make sure that my daughters grow up in a world where there are no limits put on them based off of their gender. So I serve as the chair-elect for the Women's Fund of Central Ohio, whose mission is to transform the lives of women and girls through the collective power of all people. Um, so that's what I would recommend. That's amazing. <laughs> you're, you're so awesome. Like, that's a huge help. Um, I love how you put that. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, 
Uh, one, I'm, as I as you shared earlier, I'm kind of obsessed with service and philanthropy. So I do all of this because it fills my cup. I realize that not everyone is going to want to spend every single ounce of their day and bake into service and philanthropy. But I hope uh, that through brave philanthropists that they'll acknowledge the moments where they're doing exceptional things. And sincerely, if you are saying yes, every time you go to Kohl's and they ask you to support an organization or CVS, then way to go, sister. Like, amen, hallelujah. I'm so glad that you're doing that. And you are a philanthropist. And I hope that you continue to, to dive even deeper into philanthropy every year of your life. That's awesome. Okay, ask you two random questions. And then we're going to go into fun awesome. questions. Yeah, I love random questions. <laughs> <laughs> were, you ever, were you ever a part of a sorority? No, I was not. I was um, part of a like service sorority. So we did a lot of community service things. Um, yeah. I, don't know, yeah. I just, I just random thought. So, so, I, so I went to Miami University and Miami is known for being a mecca of all things fraternities and sorority related. I have a lot of friends in sororities. I will say that competing in the Miss America Scholarship Program, I made lifelong friends in the same way that a lot of my friends made, uh, you know, developed relationships in their sororities and fraternities. So I feel like that's kind of my sisterhood. Um, all of the friends I've met through competing in Miss Ohio and Miss DC, they've become really great, great lifelong friends. Okay. And you have two girls, right? So girl mom, I was just curious, like, how are you, like, teaching that, like, because I'm a new mom, and of course I want to eventually, <laughs> once he's older, like, start to do those things with him of, like, volunteering or yeah. things like that, and, like, how are you doing that, like, introducing philanthropy to them? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, well, one, my 18-month-old, she's just learning how to not hit her sister and pull hair. That's important. So we're learning very basic skills. Like, be kind. Just gentle hands when you want to hug or you're excited. Gentle. For my five-year-old, you know, I try to keep it really simple because she's five. Yeah. Um, and I just, so I'll tell her stories about kids that I've met who don't have books in our house and how important it is that we take care of our books. And that we do a really good job of, of loving these because not everyone has books. Another thing that we've talked about is making sure that when we're donating things, so she'll watch me, I'll, you know, collect items to donate in our house to get to Goodwill or to give to nonprofit organizations. And we'll have really simple conversations like, you know, Caroline, sometimes there are people who don't have access to um, shampoo and conditioner. So I want to make sure that I give them the best shampoo and conditioner so they can have some too. Or there are little boys and girls who don't have toys like this. So I want to make sure that we give them, you know, toys that, that they can love and play with as well. Because isn't it important that all kids have an opportunity to play? And then another example, we, you know, we were at McDonald's and um, we, she saw they were doing a, I think that they, there was a little promotion for Ronald McDonald House. And she wanted to know what Ronald McDonald House was. And so we, in very simple five-year-old language, you know, talk about how sometimes there are kids that are really sick and they have to go to the hospital. Well, Ronald McDonald helps help families and children who are, who have extended stays at hospitals. And one of the ways that we can support the Ronald McDonald House is by making blankets. And she's like, oh, that's cool. So we ended up taking a trip to, your, uh, to the fabric store to go make blankets, those blankets. 
for our local Ronald McDonald house and she got to help me make you know, tie knots. And we just finished our last blanket last, last weekend. So our next step will be delivering it to the Ronald McDonald house. And I think all of those examples are both small and tangible ways that you can teach your kids philanthropy and how to give back in a meaningful way. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So before we get into fun questions, anything else coming up for you? What's next? Anything else you want to share with us? Yeah. So I just kicked off Brave Philanthropist and, you know, from like an out of my basement way to a more public way. And one of the things I'm trying to do is to share as many stories as possible. So if one of your listeners uh, is a brave philanthropist, i.e. if you participated in a Roundup campaign, I want to talk to you and I want to share your story. So I would encourage your listeners and yourself to visit my page, bravephilanthropist.com, share your story, or click the do good now button if you're just trying to figure out how to get involved in all things philanthropy. Um, other next steps for me is I'm really excited about some of the advocacy work I'm doing around survivors of sexual assault. Um, and here in Columbus, Ohio, we have a constitutional amendment that was passed in 2017 to make sure that all victims of violent crimes know their rights. Because again, you never wake up and you know, no one wakes up and goes, you know what, today I am going to be the victim of a violent crime and I know my rights. I know yeah. everything that I'm supposed to do once this happens, said no one. And what's great about Marcy's Law is that it helps victims of violent crimes understand what rights they have as they're navigating the legal process, which quite frankly, you know, I have a master's degree and I'm married to an attorney and I'm still confused. And if I am confused, I think most Americans are confused. And that's why um, Marcy's Law is so important. And we're working on passing some legislation here in Ohio to make sure that victims have even more access to understanding and knowing and being able to act on the rights that are, are constitutionally provided to them. So I'm really excited about that um, advocacy work especially as we wrap up Women's History Month and move into um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which is April. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I, I get very, very, again. You are fiery. All of these things fill my cup. So like, if I can talk about them every single day, then I absolutely do. And I just hope with great philanthropists that I can just inspire a movement of women who just, yeah, are celebrate and embrace the awesome things that they're doing because I feel like women need some more recognition and especially normal humans like mm -hmm. people who shop at Fools and Target not you know celebrities who are just writing million dollars checks and I think there are a lot more women who are doing tremendous things and I just want to bring that to the surface and celebrate them in every possible way. Amazing thank you <laughs> and thank you for all you're doing I this conversation is so enlightening I learned so much from you today um, oh, thank you. It's been fun to chat about um, all things, all things philanthropy. How about we talk about brunch? Oh, oh, great. That sounds good. That sounds perfect. <laughs> well, well, I'm, 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 I'm always up for a good brunch. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Let's get into these fun wrap up questions. So starting with and again, the concept of Brunch and Learn podcast, we learned a ton from you today. So again, yeah. thank you. But now we're going to talk about brunch. And I want to know what's your all-time favorite dream brunch meal. Could be any meal, restaurant, anything is possible. Okay. So that's a really hard question because <laughs> I don't really cook. 
unless it comes from a bag, a box, or phone. Um, my husband does most of the cooking in our house. And if I'm making, if I have a choice where like, okay, I have to feed myself, but I'm going to make myself brunch because for some reason, my six-year-old woke up or has not woken up yet. And my 18-month-old did not wake up at 2 a.m., 4 a.m., and then 6 a.m. My choice would be a big bowl of Lucky Charm cereal with a lot of delicious whole milk. <laughs> but if I'm not pouring myself a bowl of cereal, which is my favorite cereal, I would probably recommend visiting, geez, there's so many places. So I really like Fox in the Snow here in Columbus. Um, their cinnamon rolls are mouth-watering good, like so delicious. That with a really good latte would be my ideal, my ideal brunch. What was it called again? Fox in the Snow. Fox in the Snow. Yeah, okay. they have a couple of locations around Columbus. So if you're forever visiting Columbus or, you know, taking a really amazing trip or do you decide to live in one of the best states in the country, then I highly recommend you visit Fox in the Snow. Okay. I can't wait to visit Ohio. I am dying to visit pretty awesome I mean I realize that I'm a, a, an obnoxiously um it seems awesome overly enthusiastic person about Ohio but I really do think it's one of the best states in the country sorry New York sorry Florida sorry, sorry all the other states <laughs> I'm I'm liking it so far like you were talking about books earlier I signed up for that Dolly Parton imagination library and it is awesome. only in Ohio it seems like like I put oh. in all my friends and family's addresses and I had to get my like best friend <laughs> to do it for me because I can't yeah. find anywhere else. Oh, well, so I, I believe, so I, I know that I have a very specific Ohio lens. I am familiar with the Dolly Parton Library. I signed my girls up for it. What I like is that it doesn't matter your background, your income levels, all kids under the age of five can sign up to receive books from the library. But in Ohio, our, um, our first lady, Brand DeWine, she has made it one of her platforms to bring uh, the Dolly Parton Library to Ohio, all Ohio kids. So it's a huge conversation here in our state. And um, I just love, well, one, I'm like obsessed with Dolly Parton. Like, I really <laughs> like Dolly Parton. Like I would like to be Dolly Parton if I could, but I can't sing. So that doesn't work out very well. But I love the mission of reading and helping more kids have access to great books. You know what? I've been really inspired by just humanity and how much people care. I'm, you know, I, I would not describe myself as, I think that the Gen Z's are calling it impact, like people who just really feel, feel. I wouldn't describe myself as one of those people. <laughs> but when it comes to really big things, like, you know, the George Floyd protest or um, the impact of COVID-19, I really, I feel, I, I feel so deeply for um, the stories that I hear related to those types of movements. And I've, I'm a news junkie, so I've, I'm obsessed with knowing all things that are happening locally, state level, nationally. I want to know everything. And I've been so inspired by just the, the small acts of kindness and humanity that people have been demonstrating, not only here in the United States, but all over the world. It's really touched my heart in um, a tremendous way and gives me hope. Um, it's always, you know, you hear really bad stories about bad people who are doing awful, terrible things. I'm so impressed by the everyday heroes who are doing tremendous things that nobody asks them to do. They're doing it because they just want to share love and kindness. 
Yeah. Same. And it's put me in such a, a good mindset and perspective of how lucky we are just mm-hmm. in general. Like I'm like, man, these late nights with a newborn are hard, but yeah. I'm not in a bunker trying yeah. to find food. <laughs> like yeah. I, my heart goes out to like Ukraine and that is, yeah. Yeah. I definitely carry the weight of the world on my shoulder and nobody asked me to, I just do. I just feel like I just, I see, I think about those parents who are taking care of young children and what that would be like. And as an American, I think that the, the part that makes it even more challenging is like, what do you do? Like how can I, I'm, you know, while I'm very connected mm-hmm. to legislation, I am not part of, you know, connected to the state house. I can't go and say, Hey, Mr. Putin, you know, <laughs> you're a terrible, awful human being and you shouldn't hurt other human beings. Like, you know, what do I do? So you know, as a brave philanthropist, I lean back into I, all, all actions matter and even the smallest actions matter. So mm-hmm. you can donate to USO or Red Cross or UNICEF or one of those organizations that are on the ground that have the infrastructure to do meaningful work, get resources to, you know, all of the refugees and all of those impacted by this awful and unwarranted and terrible war. Like you should do that if you're a business and you have the capacity to participate in a roundup campaign to support one of those organizations, you should absolutely do that. And I've been really um, inspired by how many businesses, even locally, who have taken made their personal mission to have products that support just Ukraine and are donating to organizations that are doing great things. So um, that's one thing that I, that I wouldn't say that I learned, but I was definitely reminded of um, during this past week. And finally, where can people find you on the internet and say hi to you? Yeah, well, one, please say hi. Please say love. I love hi. Uh, it's very easy to find me. So folks can go to bravephilanthropist.com where they can learn all things about philanthropy. Most importantly, how to do good and do good now. And then last, please follow me on Instagram. Um, you can see all of my philanthropy tips. You can read about different philanthropists. Um, from all across the country. So uh, those are two places that folks can find me. And I hope that once you get to my website, bravephilanthropist.com, you click the Do Good Now button or you subscribe to my newsletter if taking action right now is a little bit too much. Thank you again for being on the podcast and joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. So thank you for just brightening my day. Hey friends, virtual hugs for completing another episode of the Brunch and Learn podcast. Did you learn something new this episode? I sure did. If you're loving the podcast, don't shy away from showing your love. Consider rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to hear more guests and episodes, head over to our website at womenwhobrunch.com for episodes, recipes, blog posts, updates on events, and much more. See you guys soon.